0: Greening with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
1: There may have never been a bigger mismatch among coaches in the NBA playoff history that we saw last night and that we're going to see in the Eastern Conference Finals. It is Chris Carlin, in for Greeny, on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. We are on the ESPN app as well, Sirius XM Channel 80, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. That, my friends, is your chance. That is your phone number. That is your connecting point to be a part of the program today where we are discussing the most alarming parts of the Celtics' loss, and we can just start Right there. The most alarming part of the Celtics' loss is how lost their coach, Joe Mazzula, is. And I'll tell you what. This may be a strong word. But stupidity combined with arrogance is one of the most dangerous combinations you can ever have. Ignorance plus Arrogance. One of the most dangerous combinations you can have. Joe is not distinguishing himself so far. And when it comes to how he handles himself after these games, especially when they lose, maybe even after they win, he is showing an arrogance, the likes of which, just frankly, not earned yet by any stretch. So let's see if we have this straight. Um... You have a, what, nine-point lead at the half last night. Seven-point lead, whatever it was. Third quarter against a Miami Heat team that has consistently grinded you out in the postseason for the last several years, including a seven-game series last year, come out and outscore you 46-25 to in the third quarter. The Miami Heat, Scored 46 points in the third quarter. Forty-six points. One of the worst offensive teams in the league all season long. Beat the Celtics for 46 points in a quarter. And you didn't call timeout once. Not once. Your best player who is a top three player in the league does not have one shot attempt in the fourth quarter not one shot attempt in the fourth quarter and only four shots attempted in the second half and yet joe Missoula has no problem saying that this team was prepared
2: you said they played harder than you in the third quarter that's what they do they play harder
3: than their opponent how are you guys unprepared for that we we were prepared. We played harder than them in the first half, and then they outplayed us for one quarter. So we were prepared for it. We had the right mindset heading into the game. But that, no, no, no. We had the right mindset heading into the game. We played harder than they did, and we were prepared, and we did a great job. The third quarter made all the difference, right? It did, but we were prepared, and then we let go of the rope. And so there's two storylines here. It's one, we were ready to play, and we had a great job executing on both ends of the floor in the first half, and it's about the consistency of they're going to continue to play. And so we have to be prepared um, for when we do outplay them that they're going to respond and we have to respond. And so we were prepared. We just let go of the rope. Yeah, why did you let go of the rope? I don't know. It's a great question.
1: What Joe Mazzula just told you there and made sure to point out was, hey, I did everything I needed to do to get us ready. We were prepared because of me, but we didn't execute because of them. That's what he just told you. So... Really, you can't find any fault with not trying to stop the bleeding when you are gushing blood in the third quarter. Gushing. You don't say, hey, let me do something to stop that. Let me call timeout. Really? You are out of your mind. Same guy after game two, last round, talking about all the adjustments Uh, That they made. Nobody wants to ask about the adjustments because you're God's gift to coaching. My God. I mean, think about this for a second. Jason Tatum, a top three player in the league, did not attempt a field goal in the fourth quarter. I've said it like five times. It still doesn't seem real. Like, and you don't call timeout third quarter. All of that. Like, those two things you walk off the court, fireable offenses. (laughs) Borderline fireable offenses. I mean, I, I I, am absolutely lost with Joe Mazula as a coach. And that was a combination of ignorance and arrogance on his part. It was a silly, stupid decision to not call a timeout in the third quarter. When an absolutely... I can't use the word inept because in the postseason they've been better. I can't understand why they've been better, but they were quite literally, in terms of scoring points, the worst offensive team in the league this season. The Miami Heat were. They average 109 points and you let them score 46 and a quarter. You know what I need to know? And shame on me for not looking this up early. I would be fascinated to know how many times during the regular season the Heat scored 46 points or less in a half. Cam, we got to find that out. If we can look that up, if we can uh, check with our stats and information people, how many times this season did the Miami Heat score 46 points or less in a half? And you gave it up in a quarter. Wow. And then there's the fact that the Celtics at TD Garden are exceptionally beatable. So why is that, Jason Tatum?
3: I don't know. I... uh... I don't know. I don't know why. You still got to play the game. You still got to make plays regardless of you know, you're at home on the way. You know, the court is the same. It's one ball, three reps, two baskets. So, you know, I don't have an exact answer why we 500 at home. You know, we just got to be better.
1: Yeah, you got to be better. And what it boils down to is one team is not going to let you up off the mat when they have you down. This is not a team that you can screw around with. This is not the Atlanta Hawks. This team consistently plays hard throughout the course of the game, and they never ease up on the pressure. They never ease up on the pressure in terms of their effort level. Yeah, there are runs against them like there are against like there are for so many teams. But it's almost like the you know, you listen to Missoula talk, it's almost like you forgot that, you know. We outplayed we them in the first half. We played harder than them in the first half. Third quarter doesn't count. They all count, dude. Brian in Missouri is next on ESPN Radio. Brian, what's the biggest problem with the Celtics and the Heat right now?
0: Or at least well, with the Celtics. I think, you know, you were talking earlier about the Heat culture. I don't think, when they say culture, I think it's kind of like a foundation of a house. When you first start building a house. You build a foundation, and I think that's what the Heat has always done. They've gotten players, they've demanded players. Hey, you got to be, you know, you can't just be a one-dimensional player. You got to come out. You got to be able to play defense. You got to be able to not let a guy get position on you and things like that. Now, as far as with the Celtics, I think what's going on with them it's a combination of things. Uh, you know, you were talking about earlier about Jason Tatum, who probably. Is the best player on the court not getting shot in the fourth quarter and only four shots in the whole second half? Now I'll put that on the coach and the players.
1: Oh, I put it and on Tatum too. I'll, I'll Tatum's got
0: to demand gonna the ball. It, that's what I was getting ready. That's what I was getting ready to say. I'm gonna put it on him too because he's done this before. He's had a history of doing this before. You got to. You want to be a superstar? Okay, you got to want to demand the ball. I if I'm playing. And I'm, I'm if I'm as good a player as he is, I'm gonna be like, hey, Marcus Smart, get me the goddamn ball, or me and you gonna go at it. Uh Look, and then there's no also- doubt
1: there. There is no doubt that Tatum, Brian, and thanks for the call deserves a lot of heat, so to speak, for what happened. You have to demand the basketball. You have to. But even as a coach, can you not recognize that the guy's not getting shots, and cannot say. Eh? Can you do a little math in your head that maybe that would be a good thing to do? I'll tell you, Heat culture is... The concept for me is like... It's just sickening because it's going to be a phrase that fans will the obnoxious. And listen, we all know this. Every fan base, I'm not singling them out, but I am right here. Every fan base has their level of obnoxious fans. The Miami Heat have an exceptionally high level of obnoxious fans because of the Heat culture and because that they can throw those words around. Like, when it comes to that, I hate to admit that those two words are actually appropriate together. Heat culture. You know what they are? If we're being real about it, the Heat are becoming basically what the New England Patriots did in the early to mid-2000s. Really before Brady became Brady, they are becoming that team that does not necessarily have to have the best talent on it all around, but because of their culture and because they have a dynamic coach, they are going to be more prepared than anybody and they are going to take advantage of every little crack in your armor. Heat culture, oh, God, just even saying it. But even I have to admit it. We're going to, listen, it's going to be a little insufferable here if it hasn't been already with Amber. We're going to have Amber on tomorrow, correct, Cam? She's going to join us tomorrow?
4: That is the plan, and she was uh, very upset that we moved her hit from Wednesday to Friday, apparently. Uh, Of course. She opened the show
1: yesterday. Of course, of course. Uh, how uh, How dare we move the Miami Heat fan from getting their chance to shine oh, she knew
4: that she had already you know spewed too much propaganda on KJm and she understood why she was moved to Friday but she was still <laughs> upset about it
1: but now she gets to talk more after about it after game one
4: I know she's got to spread it out now she has actual tangible evidence that the team might win this series so I think you know all good things for the for the heat propaganda and amber Wilson
1: uh insufferable is amber going to be insufferable
4: I think that's uh putting it lightly
1: yeah I, I just think my first question tomorrow is going to be, what's it like rooting for a team that ruined a sport? Because <laughs> that at times is what it feels like with the Miami Heat. Granted, last night was not one of those times, but it absolutely does feel that way. It's Carlin in for on ESPN Radio. Tune in tonight. It's Game 2 of the NBA Western Conference Finals. As the Nuggets host the Lakers, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins 8 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations and Sirius XM, Channel 80. In just moments, we will turn to some NFL chat. Chatter. Or we will chat about the NFL. Sometimes it's just, whatever words are coming out of my mouth, I have no control over what's going on. There are just times it feels that way. If you have a question about your team's quarterback, it's going to be answered next. Greeny, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
5: Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
0: Greeny, the podcast.
1: Chris Carlin in for Greeny. You can watch Greeny on the ESPN app. Just click watch, look for Greeny, and enjoy. Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL insider, joins us right now. As I mentioned, Dan's got a great piece up on ESPN.com on all 32 quarterbacks and the questions that surround them along with their franchises. Danny, we appreciate the time as always. Let's get right into it. Uh let us start with the New England Patriots and Mac Jones. Is he salvageable at this point for that franchise?
7: Yeah, I mean look, he showed a lot of promise, Chris, in his first year and then uh, led the Patriots to the playoffs. Then of course, you know, we all know what happened. Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator, left to go coach the Raiders and Belichick sort of didn't replace him, right? He just kind of moved some other coaches around on the staff. Matt Patricia, whose background was in defense, uh, oversaw the offense. It just didn't go very well. So he brings in Bill O'Brien, the former Patriots offensive coordinator, former Texans head coach, uh, who's got a background coaching offense. And, and uh, the hope is that that gets Matt Jones back to where he was in year one and on a path toward bigger things. So, That, I think, is the big question around the Patriots quarterback situation. Look, they don't exactly have, like, the most star-studded group of receivers, and it may be other things that hold Mac Jones back, but things should be a little better organized uh, around the offense this year than they were last year just because O'Brien has more experience on that side of the ball.
1: Dan, there's been a lot of talk around Saquon Barkley of the last several weeks, and we know that the impact that he had On Daniel Jones and his success this past year. So, what happens at this point if Jones doesn't live up to his contract? Could the Giants have buyer's remorse, especially if they end up kind of on the outs here with Barkley? Yeah, they
7: could. I mean, look, I I think, you know, signing Jones doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that they they can't sign Saquon, and I think they prioritize the, the quarterback as most teams would. Uh, the way Jones' contract is built, they can get out really after two years. So that's really all they're committed to in terms of finding out if he can build off of last year. But you know, their hope is, of course, obviously their hope is that Saquon comes back and they get a deal done or else he's willing to play on the franchise tag and, and that they've added enough in terms of you know, tight end and wide receiver because they really felt like Daniel Jones was working with nothing at those positions last year or, or close to it. Uh, injuries and and other issues that they dealt with in those positions so you know we'll see They, they made a big bet on Daniel Jones after he threw just 15 touchdown passes last season but you know they felt obviously like he played winning football for them he was tough he did not get injured as he had early in his career obviously he helps a lot with his legs so lots of like about him you know the Giants organization really banking on Brian Dable and that coaching staff and their ability to continue to get the most out of Daniel Jones.
1: Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL Insider, has got an article up on ESPN Plus and ESPN.com with answers to questions on all 32 quarterback situations around the NFL. Uh, Dan, the Steelers. Is Kenny Pickett the long-term answer in Pittsburgh?
7: Yeah, you say answers. Not all the questions do come with answers in that <laughs> piece, because there's some that we still don't know about, right? I mean, Kenny Pickett showed a lot in the second half of last year. Uh, he, he was in the top ten in QBR over the second half of the season. The Steelers went 6-2. and two. Um, But the passing game was pretty underdeveloped in Pittsburgh last year. You know, they only had 12 touchdown passes as a team all season long, so Obviously, that was the lowest total in the league, and it's got to come up. I think they they felt like Pickett showed development throughout his rookie year, and they feel good about where he is. But they do go into this season still sort of hoping that that first-round pick they used on him continues to look like a good move uh, as he moves into, you know, the second season of his career and hopefully a new phase of development.
1: It's been three years and the complete mess that it has been for Deshaun Watson, what is the sense on his ability to get back to being the player he was in Houston? You
7: know, he's still just 27 years old, doesn't turn 28 until, I think, September. So three years ago when he was in Houston, he led the league in passing yards in 2020 for a, a team that really didn't didn't do much else, right? And he was a superstar caliber player. And then we know he sat out the 2021 season because he didn't want to play in Houston anymore. And was suspended for the first 11 games last year. Because of all of his issues off the field, you know, he's found to have violated the personal conduct policy, uh, you know, inappropriate sexual conduct with massage therapists. It's all been out there. The Browns' hope is that, you know, this is a normal offseason for him where his focus has been on the field and on his team and that, and that he still has inside of him the ability to be a star franchise quarterback. They've made, obviously, a big bet on him with the fully guaranteed five-year, $230 million contract. They've already spent $46 million of that on a year that was kind of a lost year, uh, and they obviously took a lot of the PR hits for signing him, as you would expect, given all of his issues. So their hope is that over the remaining four years of that contract, starting with this one, uh, it pays off in the form of, like I said, a star franchise quarterback. They obviously think he can be that, uh, and they hope that the, the more normal offseason this time around will help lead to it.
1: Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL Insider. Dan, do we have a feel of what the Ravens' new look offense is going to be for Lamar Jackson?
7: Yeah, I think, you know, Lamar and his receivers have, for years, kind of behind the scenes, you know, kind of chafed a little bit at the idea of how run-heavy the offense was under Greg Roman and how little was being asked of them in the passing game. Lamar basically thinks he could do more. As a passer. So I think he'll get his chance to do that under Todd Munkin, the new offensive coordinator. I think, you know, what we know about Munkin's schemes is, is he'll, he'll, he'll use more play action than the Ravens have used under Greg Roman. He'll, you know, he likes to stress all areas of the field, not, not just vertically, but also sideline to sideline, get your playmakers out in space. They added Odell Beckham in free agency. They drafted Zay Flowers in the first round. They think they'll have a fully healthy J.K. Dobbins this year, the running back that they kind of babied through last year as he was coming off major injury. So they really feel like they're geared up and ready to go. And the the great benefit of Lamar signing his contract when he did right before the draft is that now he can be at the offseason workouts and learn the offense. You know, if he was sitting out the offseason in a contract dispute, that would set him back in terms of when the season started uh, his first year under a new offensive coordinator. But now uh, he can get into it and, and ideally for them hit the ground running when the season starts. Not running. He wants to hit the ground passing.
1: Uh, Dan, last one. Russell Wilson, can he be saved?
7: <laughs> yeah, there's a big question, right? And they bring in Sean Payton with the hope that he can do it. Look, again, things will be – I said this about the Patriots – things will be better organized around Russell Wilson this year. Nathaniel Hackett, the first-year head coach, obviously was not ready for the job, and, and it showed. Um, that said, Russell Wilson was not without blame in all of this, and, and his performance certainly raised a lot of eyebrows around the league. There were some you know, questions about Wilson at, at the end of his time in Seattle. Can he play within structure? Uh, is his ability to run around – uh, slowing down as he gets older and will that affect him and i think we saw those things show up last year so you know sean payton will teach him another new offense he will have to play within structure of the offense or else or else payton won't like that and, and i think at this point we can feel pretty sure that if uh if wilson has another bad year um it won't be the coach that goes this time
1: danny appreciate it thanks very much you got it chris Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL Insider. Carlin in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. When it comes to scoring great hires for your business, you may be up against a few obstacles, especially right now. That's why you need ZipRecruiter on your team. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ziprecruiter.com/slash Greenie. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Uh, I told you earlier. That I will be attending a gala tonight. I don't believe that I have ever actually attended a gala before. But Bubba has come up with an answer as to what festive cocktail attire is. He will share that with us in just moments. And have the Lakers actually unlocked something to stop in Jokic? That's cute. The Nuggets coach himself says, "Eh, maybe not so much. You'll hear from him in moments. Carlin for Greeny on ESPN
5: Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement... Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash today. That's Macy's.com slash
8: With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast.
0: The performance by Jokic last night was just special. It's back-to-back 30-point triple-doubles in the postseason for Nikola Jokic. He's proving to be the best player in basketball. He's trying to win the crown. It's still steps, but it's moving that direction. When it comes to making others better as well as being a threat, he is Tim Duncan, Hakeem Olajuwon. He is so fundamentally sound, that's what allows him to have an edge on a lot of the more athletic guys that he plays against.
1: We will get to... Game two of the Lakers and Nuggets in a moment. Carlin Infragrini Greeny on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. I don't know that anybody has ever had a rougher commercial break than Bubba, Uh, of course, member of the hashtag crew. And he found out two things uh, during the break. He found out the Mets lineup. A night after Mark Vientos makes his Major League debut, Francisco Alvarez and and Vientos homered, Alvarez homer, another young player, and then Pete Alonso uh, hits a bomb to win the game for the Mets. The Met lineup today does not have either Alvarez or Vientos in it, and Bubba is just beside himself about that, only to find out moments later a rather large disappointment involving Taco Thursday at the ESPN cafeteria. Bubba, enlighten us. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm surprised Alonzo's even lined up. Why don't
2: they put Why don't they put Butch Husky in there at first instead? <laughs> Tommy Fan yeah. playing left. Bubba. I mean, we, we were we were half joking, but apparently we should have been full on serious. Yep. that Vientos and Alvarez are not going to play today. It's Buck's unbelievable. Exact
1: quote about Vientos not playing. Vogelbach's a good option too. <laughs> yeah. Vogelbach looks like great me. option.
2: <laughs> great option, but yeah, then the the second. Part is I open up the calf app to see what we got today. Every Thursday, from uh, we've been having Taco Thursday. They've been doing it for years now. Uh, long story short is, before the pandemic, what they would do is every Thursday they would have multiple options for meat. You would have ground beef, maybe like a, a pulled chicken, and then maybe uh, like a uh, a
1: vegetarian a, yeah, option, a, like perhaps? a
2: pork or something. There'd be three options. You could pick whatever you wanted. So right. I, I would always get the ground beef nachos. I would always go with that. And okay. You can do whatever you want. Then the pandemic happened. They stopped doing Taco Thursday completely. They've slowly been bringing it back, but what they've been doing is every Thursday they only do one meat. You, you can't pick your meat. They tell you the meat. And I'm like, all right, if if you must, fine. So they've been slowly rotating it through, and you know, basically doing you know ground beef one day, carne asada one day, pulled pork, pulled chicken. Slowly making it through. I was hoping today because ground beef is my favorite one. That's when I do nachos. I'm very happy about it. We haven't had it in a while. Was that like on the cycle? That it was due. I, I felt like it was. And last Thursday, they didn't do uh, the Taco Thursday. Instead, they they completely threw it out and did some wing nonsense, which I, which <laughs> they thought they should have done on Wednesday, which was just killer and why then, wouldn't you do wing wednesday yeah exactly alliteration <laughs> would have been perfect so then today i just opened it up thinking all right it's gotta it's gotta be the ground beef today will be perfect nope pulled pork <sighs> so it's 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 just what wanted
1: show altered to, to do this one too
4: <laughs> yeah what would you say is more disappointing the uh ground beef being out of the lineup or vientos
1: uh, there's no question the ground beef being
4: out of the lineup would be much yeah, I, more you know, I was
2: just i was looking so looking forward to the the nachos it's, i, 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 I went all week i'm waiting four days i i you, you can't wait you 11 o'clock is when you can open the app and see it so i waited four days until 11 a.m thursday i want to see ground beef get the nachos be excited towards the end of the week, um, and then just kill her. And, then, and yeah, they then just you ruined in, it. And then you add in Vientos and Alvarez. <laughs> Unbelievable.
1: You, you thought you were going to have a nice little taco Thursday watching the Mets exactly. and your young stars. Yes, it's a day game. I mean, geez. <laughs> and here was the best part. During the break, all I heard was, like, we were talking about the Vientos thing, and he was clearly annoyed by that. And then, like, two minutes later, all you hear off in the distance is like this, Well, what? Oh, come on! And I I just hear Cam say, "Are you hearing this?" (laughs) Cam, describe the mood in the control room at the moment. It's it's very tense, and Bubba protects his
4: tacos very. Uh, specifically, as you can tell, he waits four days for these tacos to be announced, and yeah, and he's off tomorrow, um, so that ruins his uh you know whatever he's doing tomorrow. And like he said, no tacos last week. So I,
2: I came in one time uh, when the when the Mets oh, it's the, open, true. the opening true. day. I remember when the Mets were rained out. Yeah, I, I came. I, I was supposed to be off that day, obviously for the Mets. The Mets game got rained out. That was a Taco Thursday. I came in and ate tacos that day. He wasn't even working. I he wasn't even, just came I wasn't in. To even eat. Supposed to work that day but i was like well i know where i didn't have to go to the game so i came in i ate tacos
1: (laughs) and now completely ruined there is nothing that can be worse than really looking forward to eating something for a lunch and maybe enjoying your afternoon or just enjoying a little bit of quiet time and then you find out you're completely getting hosed on whatever that menu item was exactly that's pretty bad well Here's what we learned out of this, Bubba. Clearly, the pandemic has hit you hardest, clearly, <laughs> from all of this, from the taco fallout of the pandemic. I mean, can we just
2: – well, the pandemic's over, all right? Taco Thursday, <laughs> let's just get all the options back, all right? We're, we're, let's, we're moving back here. Let's, uh, come on.
1: It's Carlin in for Greeny today on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, Michael Malone, the Nuggets coach was asked this week, uh, after game one, about the idea that Rui Hachimura had all of a sudden found the secret key to locking up Nikola Jokic in the second half the other day. Michael Malone's quote, much is being made of them putting Rui Hachimura on Jokic, like we've never seen that before. He had a great second half, but you know, Can we at least go into game two acknowledging that it wasn't as if the Lakers had just discovered plutonium the other night when they figured out that Hachimura might be able to do a decent job against Nikola Jokic. Somehow do we honestly believe that that's it? Wrap it up. Series is done. We've got the key, fellas. Let's just go on to the finals. Come on. Can we get at least a, a concept of a of a clue, if that even makes sense. I don't think it does. Can we just have an idea that maybe, just maybe, the Nuggets would somehow adapt to that before game two with the best player in the league? The Lakers, to their credit, have won all four games following a loss this postseason by double digits. As far as tonight's concerned, does that continue? Frankly, I don't expect it to. I expect the Lakers to lose tonight, and I would not sit here and call this a must-win for the Lakers. I think this is a six-game, maybe a seven-game series, but I don't feel like they definitively have to win tonight. It would help. It would be nice to get their home court back, uh, home court advantage back in this uh, series. Or just have not not even back, I should say. They haven't had it in this series. But the Lakers win their home games. They're undefeated at home in the postseason. So why would I think for a minute that if they fall back two games to none here, they're cooked? No, we've seen it too much. I mean, we, The Suns came back and won their games at home. You know they They won the next two at home. So why wouldn't I think the Lakers could do that and make it a best of three at that point? I do expect the Nuggets to win tonight again. The if you want to talk about the altitude, the Lakers have had more than a few days now uh, to get adjusted to that. I honestly don't think at this point that it's that big of a factor for them, uh, unless they have anybody in particular who is medically affected by that. That has not been any uh, there has not been any indication of that being the case. I don't expect the Nuggets to lose tonight, though. I expect them to play well enough. And, frankly, I think they might win by 10 to 12 points. I'm not sure how close this game is going to be.
5: Life is a series of choices. Who you got? Make a decision.
0: Say it! Say it! All
2: right,
0: I'll say it. Who you got?
1: Yes, Bubba, the floor is yours after
2: your taco meltdown. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to talk about tacos anymore. Who you got? Brought to you by Granger, and we don't have time for picks. But just so everyone's aware, tonight Lakers Nuggets on ESPN Radio, ESPN as well, and this one Denver minus five and a half. So tune in to that one, and, enjoy. and I just told
1: you, I think they're going to win by double digits.
2: Yeah, so enjoy. Great. Um, well, Thirty were bitter. Thirty-two years. Thirty-two years ago, yesterday. Where were you? What about Bob was released? Where does this rank among your Bill Murray
1: movies? Who you got? It it is up there. It is is a top five-ish Bill Murray movie. Very, very underrated. Yeah, for Uh, sure. You know, Stripes is an all-time great. It's tough Uh, to do a Bill Murray top five. Yeah. I'll give you one that is, it's hard to put it in there, but I'm going to anyway just for the one scene he was in, Zombieland. Okay, he, never seen that. He was amazing in his one scene in Zombieland, <laughs> where he pretended to be a zombie, so that he could just walk around L.A. and do whatever he wanted. That
2: sounds so, like something he would do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, very good, but I mean, listen, I, I, you know, Ghostbusters is obviously up there. What's your? Yeah, I
2: don't, I don't even know. Between Ghostbusters, I don't know. It's tough.
1: Groundhog Day is mine. Yeah, Groundhog Cat- I mean, Day is right there.
2: Caddyshack, I mean, yeah. Uh, it's it's too hard. But I mean, what about many. bob Would be up there in the top five for sure. It's, It'd probably it's be fifth, but yeah, it would be it would be up there. I maybe have to say Caddyshack. But um, yeah. Saturday is National Streaming Day. What's your favorite show to watch right now, other than Bosch?
1: Uh, other than Bosch, uh, I would say my favorite show to stream would be. Uh, it's kind of obvious. Ted Lasso. Just watched the latest on that last night. Uh, am very much enjoying white house plumbers with woody harrelson uh that is excellent and uh, of course the marvelous mrs mazel yeah that's right i said it i've heard that's good it is very good it is very good a couple of these shows are wrapping up next
2: 150 years ago saturday levi strauss and jacob davis op- obtained a u.s patent for the first blue jean what is your pants wear of choice who you got
1: Uh, my pants wear of choice. I mean, do we call shorts pants? I mean, sure. Shorts would be pants for me. Blue jeans would probably be second. Although for a guy like me, I mean, denim is not what you want to be wearing in any kind of warm weather. You know, uh, I like a light fabric. Like maybe if they made fabletics in you know double XL or triple, whatever. I don't know. I'd probably go that. A khaki. A nice khaki I enjoy. What
4: What kind of pants are you wearing tonight to the gala? Uh, That's still to be determined, clearly. (laughs) Better be festive cocktail.
1: I do have a pink jacket from when I hosted a game show on SNY called Beat the Booth, but I'm quite sure that does not fit today. Who you got brought to
2: you by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger has the right product for you. Call clickranger.com or just stop by. 71 years ago Sunday, Mr. T was born in Chicago, Illinois. Who you got as the best Rocky villain?
1: Oh, Mr. T was the best Rocky villain. I don't think there's any question. Drago was was really good. Uh, I absolutely loved Apollo Creed. But as far as just pure villain, bad dude, I thought Mr. T in Rocky Three. Like, I remember seeing that in the theater when I was, like, 10 or 11. And, like, he kind of scared me the way he looked and the, how mean he was. Like, that was my first real introduction to Mr. T. You go Drago quickly, Bubba? I think go- I'll go Drago. Yeah. No, I got to ride with Mr. T.
0: for listening to Greeny the podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.